This is the Chicago Golf Report podcast, hosted by Walter Liss. Our guest this episode is Tony Frandria, golf course superintendent at Odyssey Golf Foundation in Tinley Park. How did you find your way into turf grass, agronomy, becoming a golf course superintendent? What what were the steps from a young age to get you to where you are right now? Sure. So um, when I was a kid, you know, in high school, they built the Palos Hills Municipal Golf Course in my neighborhood. I grew up in Palos Hills and I like playing golf. So I went over there and I said, hey, I, I, I love to work here. And uh, Jay Drewhan was the superintendent. And he also ran the whole operation back then. This is 1990. And uh, I started working in the little pro shop, which was a trailer at the time. And uh, I sort of took a liking to, to what's going on on the course. And I said, Jake, you know, can I work out on the grounds with you? He said, sure. So I was working on the, in the pro shop in the morning, then started working on the grounds in the afternoons. And I started to learn how to change cups and cut peas and do all the things that, you know, you do to take care of a golf course. And I said to Jay, boy, I really like this, uh, you know. I'd like to, you know, pursue it further. He says, well, then I'm going to need to send you somewhere else. You're going to need to learn, uh, you, know, you need to go to a country club or a place bigger than this. So he sent me over to talk to a fellow named Dudley Smith. Dudley was iconic superintendent at Silver Lake Country Club for decades. Uh, he passed away several years ago. And uh, I remember sitting down with him and he, and he said to me, so uh, you, well, you want to you run a golf course where Freddie Couples plays golf? I said, yeah, that'd be great. He's no, that's not what you want to do. Like, you know, yeah, it was just this banter back and forth. And I'm like, wow, this guy's an interesting guy. He said, I want to send you to work at Riverside for a guy named Dave Behrman. So I went there, started working on the ground, and uh, they pulled some strings and got me into the Penn State Turf program while I was working at Riverside. So I went to Penn State for two years. After I graduated, I went to work for uh, Dave Behrman again at Midlothian Country Club, where I was the assistant, up until the year 2000, and then went up to Glenview Club, was the assistant there for three years under Jeff Losinger. Jeff uh, left uh, the club, and um, they gave me a shot at the job. And I was there for uh, 13 years as the superintendent up until 2016. Um, in 2016, we kind of parted ways amicably, um, and I went to Canal Shores, which is a interesting place if you've never heard of it. And I was a superintendent there, and it was much different than what I was used to. This tiny little place tucked in the neighborhood, didn't have an awful lot of money, but boy, the enthusiasm within that community for that course is incredible. Um, they they liked what I was doing, and then they asked me if I'd like to be the general manager and the superintendent. Well, I, I, I did that. A bit overwhelming, um, but great experience. And I was there for four, four years. And um, they brought a management company in and the dynamics kind of changed. And then I decided that, you know, I was going to move on. And I came here to Odyssey, Odyssey uh, Golf Foundation, which is also a charity organization, just like Canal Shores, where we we cater to veterans and golfers with special needs. Um, and it's been, it's been great. Like I I've had more fun in this last year working with my, you know, being out on the course and working, not like an administrative kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where, where I started. So I, 
I've got an interesting background. I worked at a high-end country club. I worked at a really cool community place. And now I work for the foundation, which is run by the Halikius family who managed the foundation. And uh, it's, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. And like I said, I really enjoy being here and improving the course. And um, yeah, so I, I, I tell people now, and I've got a couple of young guys working with my, on my crew. I said, boy, you know, I used to be you, the young guy, but now I'm like the older guy. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that's how I've, uh, how I've come up in the business. And actually I've got a couple of guys here on my, my crew, young guys that are uh, going to go to turf school. So it's kind of a cool thing now that I never really got a chance to do in my career was mentor young guys and kind of show them the way, teach them and get out there with my, get my hands dirty. And um, it's been really fulfilling. So, and that's kind of where we're at right now. So I thought your story was interesting before I knew about even Payless Municipal. That's where you got your start, which was built yeah. on a garbage dump. So exactly you literally right. started on a garbage dump and then you work your way into Glenview Club, started in 1897, Midlothian, which hosted the U.S. Open. Then you go to Canal Shores, which was the quintessential neighborhood course that winds its way through the city. And then yep. you find your way to Odyssey. Boy, I'd be hard-pressed probably to find somebody with your resume. Well, I, pre I appreciate it. Don't forget Riverside. So that's another antique. So it's 1897. Riverside, I think, was 1893. Uh, Glenview, uh, Glenview was 1897. Uh, Melody was 1898. And Canal Shores was 1912. God, I should know the year. But so this is the first course I've really worked at that's considered modern, built in 1991. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I've really, I had the opportunity to do in my career, which has been great, and I've met a lot of great people, is I volunteered at a lot of uh, um, tour events, four U.S. Opens, the, the PGA Championship Ryder Cups, and I've been able to travel around and see that sort of um, aspect of what, what guys do to for tournament preparation and stuff, and I've met a lot of great people uh, doing that. I haven't been able to volunteer much recently but i'd like to get back into that because i know i know a lot of guys that are managing these 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 tour courses and and it's it's a lot of fun to, to volunteer and do that sort of thing so before i forget where did you go to high school i went to stag high school in palos hills perfect okay very good yep. yeah so that and growing up in that neighborhood and then i would walk to work at the paleo you know, i was a kid and like i said i started at six in the morning i worked in the pro shop and then i would work on the grounds and i took off till dark so I was like, it's like 16 hours a day, and boy, I had a lot, a lot of more energy than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a step back. Can you explain to people what exactly does a golf superintendent do? Because I think there are so many expectations, and I, you, you know better than anybody, is from a golfer's perspective, I would imagine the expectations have always gone up, right? You see this course, and you have to produce. What are, what are all the things that you have to provide? Well, it depends, obviously, on where you're at. If you're at a high-end country club where I was, you know, they want conditions to be firm, fast. They want fast greens. They, you know, they're competing with other clubs. Um, now, it's not so much that, but, you know, you still want to maintain good course conditions and, uh, you know, something fun to bring people back to play golf. But what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, growing the grass is not – 
not that it's easy, it's never easy, but the administrative part of the job too, budgeting and, um, you know, um, um, applying chemicals and, and picking the right fertilizers, doing soil tests and all these things that people think, some, a lot of people think, oh, you just go out and, and you cut the grass. There's a lot more to that. You have to have really good people skills. You have to be able to communicate inside your operation too with your general manager, with your, with your golf professional, with your director of golf. Everybody's kind of intertwined and that's a really, really important. And here with my golfers, you know, I really like to interact with my golf, the golfers here. A lot of them are veterans and I never served in the military, but I have a, I, I just have a soft spot for veterans and, and it's just been such a great thing to get to know those people. And um, they asked me the same questions. Like, uh, you know, what, what does the job entail? And Walter, you know it depends. Like when I was at Glenview, it was more of an administrative job. Not that I didn't work, but you know, it was like meetings and you had a big staff. Now I have a small staff and I'm working on the course with the crew. You know, I'm uh, I'm out spraying and I'm uh, you know I'm changing cups and I, I'm helping the guys who are doing tree work or chipping branches. So it sort of depends on the situation that you're in. But the number one thing, obviously, is you want to create the best conditions that you can. For your, for your clientele. And, you know, it's challenging at a public course when, when to do like cultural practice and things like top dressing and airing because you don't get the clothes and, and you're trying to explain that to regular golfers, public golfers that, you know, sometimes in a country club, they'll understand that more, the, the dynamics of maintaining the course and what goes into creating these really high quality playing conditions. So, you know, time management is the big thing. Um, being able to schedule work. I mean, we have to work evenings sometimes to, to work on the golfers. So, you know, like, like I said, in a, in a nutshell, it's, it's different, but the same, meaning you're all trying to create the best playing conditions you can, but you know, budgets and things like that could your equipment, your staff. Um, it's a, it's a challenging, challenging um, career. That's why I'm telling my young guys. They're all excited, you know, they send me these pictures and they send me, look what these guys are doing. You know, not, not everybody has the tools or the resources, but the one great thing about being a superintendent, especially in Chicago, is we all help each other. When I was at Canal Shores, boy, uh, Brian Bossard at Bryn Mawr and Danny Donnelly at North Shore, these guys, they let me borrow equipment and they helped out. And that's a great camaraderie. Just like you see me on Twitter and we talk in the, you know the, the the age of of uh, of of communications via the internet now, where you could tweet and ask somebody like I needed to borrow something. I put a tweet up. Ten minutes later, hey, I got that. I got that for you. It wasn't like that when I first came up. And you know, I'm not old. I'm 51 years old, but we didn't have that kind of resources. So I couldn't see myself doing anything else. But the job certainly is a challenge. So from a golfer's perspective, I often wonder, like, what's your worst case scenario? So a couple quick questions. Would you rather have it too dry or too wet? Too dry. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of challenges here with it being, being too wet. But mm -hmm. um, and it depends on your situation. So here I've got some challenges with, with batch and things like that. So if I get too dry, I might not be able to ever get it wet again. But firm, you know, firm and fast, 
that's that's the mantra these days. So I'd rather have a two-dry deal to put the water on. Um, sometimes it's very difficult to take the water off, especially then when you get into spells of hot, humid weather. So definitely too dry. Is Are the greens usually the, the thing that causes the most concern for you? Yes, no matter where you're at. It's all about your greens, right? Uh, what is it, 70-some percent of the game is played on the greens. Um, you, so you want to have good greens. Now, good greens here could be different, is much different than good greens, you know, past in my career. Here, my cutting heights are way up. We don't expect green speeds 12, 13 feet here. If we roll a nice nine, nine and a half here, we don't even check green speeds here. It's about our golfers having a, a good time. And a big thing in public golf is pace of play. So if you have these ultra fast greens and you've got golfers that aren't very good, you have to manage that expectation also, or that manage that situation for your clientele. So, but greens, obviously people see good greens or, you know, that's what people, that's what people are coming back for. They're not coming back and say, oh, they've got really cool bunkers, which I love bunkers, don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, I I don't lose sleep over greens here, but I, I lost sleep over some greens in my in my day. So that's, uh, and I think I, I probably speak for a lot of other superintendents that that's where you're, where you're really thinking what you're concerned with most. Can you talk a little bit about the role of technology in your job? How's it changed since you first sure. started to now? Sure. Um, so when I was younger, to check soil moisture, you take a, a knife and put it in the green and you know, or you test soil probe and you're like, oh, it's wet. Now we have moisture meters. I actually just bought one it's right here on my, in my office. Now we have moisture meters where we can track moisture in different quadrants. Some guys are using these meters now that measure firmness. Um, and irrigation systems have come a long way for conserving water and putting water exactly where you want it. Now we have GPS sprayers where we could spray only where you want to put put product down, where it's better for the environment, it saves money. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's three big ones there. The technology and it just keeps it just keeps uh, changing. Uh, it's amazing the tools that we that we have now that that we can utilize. And uh, you know some, some guys have been in the business a little bit longer than me can even tell you more so. Like wow, you know, I remember having center row quick coupler where you have to go and water at night, you have to have night watermen. Um, you know, now everything's on a computer. Like I have my computer here. We have a decent irrigation system here, which I'm thankful for. Um, it's all, that's all computerized and flow is monitored that way. But before there was just plug the head in, turn it on. Same thing with pump stations now. Pump stations are designed to, um, to um, eliminate uh, usage of water and, 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 and use only water that, that is, that you need on the course. You know what I mean? Your, your pump station is not always on or always off. It's regulated by flow. So those are some, some things that uh, that have definitely evolved since I got into business. It brings up a good question. Sometimes you'll hear the, I guess the one negative that people who don't play golf and have no idea about it will say, well, the course uses too much water. How do you combat that? What do you, what do you say to that as far as the how it affects the the community and and the, of course the the situation. You know, it's interesting that because people people say that, and then you know you'll drive by a you'll drive by a, an industrial park and the sprinklers will be on in the, in the rain. 
you know, so we do everything that we can. I always have in my career to use water judiciously. And when you have an irrigation system that's designed to put water down and not flood irrigate, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting line you walk when people say that because you need obviously water to grow turf, but I can think I can speak for many superintendents say we're we're doing everything that we can to reduce water usage, and that also has to do with if you've got the conditions where you can you could not water as much because your turf is super healthy and drains well. Um, we all, we all try to use less, less water, but you have to use water on a golf course. I mean, it's just, and I, and my argument would be that, you know, irrigation systems now are designed to use less water. Heads are now, um, designed to not put out as much water. You can adjust nozzles and things like that. So you're not overwatering. So, uh, Let's get, I'm going to give you three different places and I'd love to get your feedback on the challenges that each one of these places faces from an agronomy perspective, completely okay. different. So number one would be Soldier Field. Number two would be Augusta National. Number three would be your own backyard. What are one thing to consider for all of those three places in order to keep the agronomy healthy? What what are the challenges that you would see from their perspective that people have to face? Wow, Soldier Field. There's lots to talk about Soldier Field, right? I'm not a sports turf guy. Um, and, I, and I think they, they just tried to put zoysia there or, or some sort of sort of Bermuda in there. Um, maybe if the park district wasn't running that course and they put a guy, they put somebody in there that, that was a sports field guy because they don't have problems up at Hallis Hall like that. Um, so it's hard to speak on that because I'm not an expert on sports fields, but perhaps if, um, and I don't know who is in charge over there, but maybe if the park district wasn't in charge, things would be better mm -hmm. at Soldier Field. Uh, oh, yeah, as we just said, Augusta National. I've been to the Masters twice. Mm -hmm. Great, unbelievable place. But what people need to realize is that's not reality. You know, they... I'll tell you an interesting story. I went with our with my old pro Kyle Bauer, who's still at Glenview. When we 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 went on, it was a Wednesday, and the practice round was going on, and they had the storm come through. And all of these debris was laying all over. Have you ever been to Augusta? Yeah, I've been a couple times. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we're walking up up to the 18th green, and then you look over to number one, and there's all these leaves and all this crap laying all over the place. And Kyle's like, "Oh my goodness, how how are they going to clean all that up?" And all of a sudden, you see. I'm not kidding, 25 sweepers on tractors. And they clean the whole fairway in two minutes. So it's like Augusta is Augusta. And, you know, Augusta is in Augusta in the summertime. You know, the members don't play there in the summer. They gear that tor that tournament, that, that course for the tournament, and then the members get to play a little bit after. But when you don't want, you know, they don't want for anything there. They get whatever they need. So, I mean, that's... People, they call it the Augusta syndrome, right? Why can't we look like Augusta? Well, that's why. I mean, unlimited resources. Mm -hmm. uh, and nothing to get, you know, and uh, Brad Owen is superintendent there. I know him a little bit. I mean, he, he's he got a lot of pressure on him, too. Trust me. I mean, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. with all those resources. 
Uh, and then my own backyard. Well, I live in a condo, so I don't have a backyard right now. But I'll tell you this: when I did, when I did have a backyard, my lawn was the worst lawn on the block. Uh, it would be this long, and I would cut it and scalp it, and it just because. And I think a lot of superintendents are the same way. Like, oh, but you got a great lawn. No, I, I really, I really don't. But in hindsight, if I ever have a lawn again. I'd probably hire somebody to take care of it for me. <laughs> Very honest. Good point. So uh, let's finish final question for you. If you could tell golfers things that they should be aware of, things that they can do to help with not only your course, but any course that they play, what are the things that they should be thinking about? You can think of several things. Number one is fix your ball mark and one other. Ball marks are are such a huge problem, especially when you get to courses like like where I'm at now, where we get a lot of play. And I can put somebody out there. Our ball mark situation here was so bad that I bought divot repair tools and our veterans come out and fix ball marks for me. So when I first got here in the spring, I couldn't believe the amount of ball marks. This year going into the going into the end of the season. We have very few ball marks, but we had to put a serious effort towards fixing ball marks. People should fix their ball marks. And it's not, and, and you know, the same thing goes with divots. You take a divot out of a fairway, put it back. Or if you have a seed and soil bottle on your cart, fill it in. Uh, little things like golfer etiquette has really, really, um, is really, is a real challenge because people tend to not, maybe tend to not care. Oh, I'm here and, uh, you know, driving carts across greens and not fixing divots. And uh, just, uh, would you do that at your own home? Take care of it like it's your own green in your backyard. That would make our jobs a lot easier. And I, I would tell you the number one thing for me would be repair your ball marks. One final question then, uh, bonus question. Um, Bunkers. How much work are the bunkers? How much time do you have to allocate as like a percentage wise to everything else? Okay, so our bunkers here need a lot of work. Um, they probably at some point need to be looked at and rebuilt. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. However, when I was working at a country club, bunkers are very, very important. Stand depth. What's on your faces? What kind of grass? Uh, types of sand? You know, people don't realize that there are so many different types of sand that goes in bunkers. You see this white sand, this pro angle or best sand. It's a more angular sand, so your ball sits up real nice on it. The good players love that. It just takes a lot to maintain those bunkers. If you ask people, you get algae on them. They don't drain real well. Um, bunkers have become almost like greens. Not, hey, it's a hazard. Now people complain a lot about bunkers and um, more work has to go into maintaining them in a lot of places. When I was um, at Glenview, we, we had a bunker crew with it. All we did was take care of bunkers, make sure the sand depth was right and, and, and uniform. Here at the public course, the bunkers are old or original. We rake them, we try to put sand in them here and there. I'd like to dedicate more time to them, but the resources aren't there and 
here our golfers aren't as concerned, but in the in the uh the, the big picture, bunkers are a huge um undertaking for a lot of superintendents. 